It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. On this edition of the podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, Brenda Warren, who joins via Zoom uh, from North Carolina. And the topic that we're going to be dealing with, discussing today, uh, rather, is uh, depression. Depression. I mean, it's it's interesting to know how many people deal with repression, depression, but for whatever reason, are not comfortable talking about it. And so we have someone who's actually lived it, someone who's actually experienced it to share her thoughts about depression. And hopefully uh, either you or someone you know dealing with this may find some help, helpful nuggets to be able to deal with. Brenda is an author. She's the author of Soul Searching, a book she wrote about a year ago. And she's also a 20-year uh, Marine Corps vet. Um, so Brenda, thank you so much for your service, first of all, and also for coming on the Time with Fred podcast today. Thank you for having me. I was excited about coming and getting this opportunity to talk to you about this subject that's not often spoken about. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you open up, uh, opening up and, and sharing, because like I mentioned earlier, not a lot of people are, are comfortable with it, either because of the stigma that's, that's attached to it or just not comfortable being vulnerable. So I think this is really one that many are dealing with and some may not even realize that they're dealing with. And it's one of those topics that I think it's really important um in, in the present day so again thank you so let, let's talk Brenda how does one identify depression are there any symptoms uh that can alert one to to depression well for I can only speak for how it manifests for me it started years ago uh when I was in the military after coming back from combat um, I found myself crying a lot, um, isolating, and really not sure what was going on. And it would be years before I got a diagnosis. I mean, I, I went into a combat environment in 1993, but I wasn't diagnosed till 2011. Because, again, when you're feeling not quite yourself, and also, and on top of that, you're a Christian, People would say, oh, just pray, trust Jesus. You know, you just need to fast more. So I fasted and prayed, but nothing wasn't changing. And then in 2011, uh, when my world started to fall apart, that's when I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and also depression. And it all made sense to me because mine was, I would spend days just not being able to function or, um, my depression also manifested in me overspending um, and just isolating from family in general. Hmm. Why is it important, uh, Brenda, to, to, to pay attention to it? Because I, uh, for a lot of people, I am, I, in your case, I mean, being, being military, my experience with dealing with, I have friends who've been um, in the military who also share the experiences. There's this false sense of uh, bravado, right? Because you've been in the military or because you serve in the military, there is this pressure to sort of mask those feelings because if you do, either the colleagues or the service may look down on you and may not think that you're capable. Was that, is, is that, is that, is that a fair assessment, Brenda? I mean, particularly- Oh, absolutely. You know, being a Marine, there are certain things you do and certain things you don't do. It's kind of like Marines don't do that. You know, we are the ones that people call to support or to bring help. 
we're not the ones that need help. At least that's the way our training goes. And so when I found myself in a situation where I was a term we use, oh, you're a non-hacker. I, I, you know, I couldn't handle things. That didn't sit well with me because Marines don't do that. You know, I'm supposed to come to the rescue, not be rescued. So you add that on top of that. And then I was the person that everybody came to when they had a problem. So now when I found myself in need of support, where was I going to go? I'm usually the person fixing everything for everyone. But when you're the fixer, where do you go for help when you need fixing? And this is important, Brenda, not um, only to, uh, you know, servicemen and women in the Marine Corps, any of, any of the other branches, but even in any leadership position i might say whether you're you're a clergy whether you're a pastor whether you're a leader whether you're 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 a parent or coach or whoever there is this expectation to your point brenda that because everyone looks up to you you're the, the hero here and you have all the answers when 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 life happens which it will it becomes even more difficult to 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 come up and say look i understand you know but but i'm hurting too how does one gather that strength to say, look, yes, you've looked up to me. Yes, I know I'm, 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 I'm the person who people look up to, but I'm hurting, right? How, how, how does one deal with that? Well, first you have to make a definite decision to do so. You know, uh, the thing for me, Fred, was that I didn't do that originally. When I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, I hid my diagnosis from my husband, from my family, from my church, because I was in ministry leadership. I also was a director at a hospital at the time of my diagnosis with like five managers, 120 employees. Again, I was the person everybody came to to solve problems. So how could I then go say I have a problem? It wasn't until I had a complete breakdown that I had to come forth because there was nothing else I could do. My case was kind of like, okay, I had to break down, then I was still in denial. And then it took me counseling and uh, a lot of years of support and self uh, introspect and also like my book says, soul searching to come to grips with that, hey, I don't have to have all the answers and that it's okay to ask mm -hmm. for help. But that came once I made a definite decision to say that I'm going to make me my number one priority and I'm not going to worry about what people think mm -hmm. because if I did not, I wasn't going to, I was going to become one of the other unnecessary silences that happens almost every day in this mm -hmm. world. And I'd imagine Brenda that the reason this is difficult for, for most people who experience it has to do with the kind of reaction and treatment we get right because we're oh yes yeah right what what do you say brenda as a responsibility of um those of us who say say we spot someone who's dealing with with a challenge or who's going through what what is your responsibility rather than chastise them or look down upon them and make them feel more uncomfortable are there any any support roles that we can play to help people deal with us in a, in, a, in a healthy way? I would say the first thing is to try to get them to get professional help. Because the biggest thing that I had to understand was that the people around me were just as confused as I was. First of all, they didn't understand how 
this capable, dynamic person that they knew was falling apart because from their perception, I had it all going on. I'm, I'm a director of a hospital, I'm a new mom, I'm married, you know, I'm living in a nice house, driving a great car. So the perception was, what does she have to be depressed about? And I would say if people could just take a step back and simply, if you don't know what to do, at least just offer um, a listening ear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, listen without judgment. Mm-hmm. And when all else fails, uh, encourage the person that you think is having depression to seek professional help. Mm-hmm. And you can always say, I don't know what to say to you. Mm-hmm. Because what I found was a lot of people, when they begin to realize I was having a problem, they avoided me mm-hmm. or they didn't want to talk about it because, frankly, it made them uncomfortable mm-hmm. because then they had to deal with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a fear that people deal with when they're having to be faced with your not meeting certain standards that they placed on you. Then they have to deal with the standards they placed on themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Brenda, you, you, you have a, a safety protocol that helps mm-hmm. you bounce, uh, that helps you deal with it. I mean, you, you talk about healthy practices, having a group of trusted friends and professionals that you can call on, and then the, also the importance of self-advocating. you mind talking through some of those? I think those are some very helpful practical steps for someone who, who've dealt with this or who deals with it from time to time, um, you know, and, and to be able to offer that, that help for, you know, any of our listeners or anyone we know who may who may be dealing with uh, bouts of depression? One of the first things I did when I got to the point where I was actually willing to admit that I had depression was that I created a, a sheet that is on my wall. And on my wall, because see, there's certain times when you get to a certain level of depression, you really are not thinking straight like mm-hmm. you normally would. Mm-hmm. And by having, for me, I'm a visual person. It's different for some people, some of my friends have it in their iPhones or their phone, their cell phones in general. But I keep it on my wall because that's normally where I'm at when this happens. And it says, uh, if you're in a bad place, call this one. So I have a list of people that I can call. I also hear about my computer. All over my house, I have these. Mm-hmm. Literally, every, every room in my house has one of these cards on it. And on the front is the number to the crisis hotline. And on the back, there's how to recognize uh, signs for suicide risk. Suicide risk. Yeah. For, for those who may be listening and not watching, Brenda's actually showing a, a suicide hotline car that she has that she's showing right now that she keeps around her house. So, um, yeah. What, 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 why, why do you keep that around the house, uh, Brenda? Because there was a time when I was at such a low place. Mm. I didn't feel like I wanted to be on this planet. And I needed the people around me to understand that this was serious. This wasn't a phase as some people wanted to believe. This was real for me. And if they noticed any of these signs on the card, it says um, looking for ways to hurt oneself. And I'm trying to, you know, because we're Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're talking about death or dying, self-destructive behaviors such as drugs, abuse, weapons, if you notice, they have a hopeless feeling, like there's no way out, anxiety, agitation, sleeplessness, mood swings, feeling like there's no reason to live, rage or anger, engaging in risky mm-hmm. activities, increased alcohol or drug abuse, withdrawing from family or friends. Because like you say, sometimes people don't recognize the signs, but mm-hmm. on this card, 
here's the key. So if anybody in my family noticed this and prior to having these cars, most of them didn't even notice. The truth is the people closest to you don't even often notice. I call it drowning in plain sight because that's what I was doing. I was uh, withdrawn from family. My behaviors were becoming risky. I didn't have the, the drinking and stuff. That was something I did in my past, but now that wasn't my issue, but I was overeating. I was overspending. My mood swings were so dynamic that uh, my family began to call me Sybil. They never knew who was going to show up. And again, if you're not aware of what the symptoms are, mm -hmm. then you're not looking for those things. And even when you see them, most people don't recognize it. And why? Because we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. If we never have this conversation, what are the signs of depression or suicide? How do you expect to catch mm -hmm. it when it happens? I think that even makes it uh, more more difficult, Brenda, because you know you think about some uh, a topic like emotional intelligence, right? Where one of the key ways of being emotionally intelligent is to is to be self aware, right? Self aware mm -hmm. of some of those triggers or, or the kind of things that that makes you act in a certain way. And I think even more dangerous is what you just talked about, because if you're if you're rationalizing some of these behaviors as normal, right, and, and not knowing that there's something wrong, it could lead you down a path where it may become irrecoverable, right, especially if the people around you also aren't, um, you know, perhaps more confident in talking about it or asking you. It it's, 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 it's a difficult challenge, right, for, for the person dealing with it who maybe rationalizing it as just normal behavior, how can they identify or take it that next step and realize that this is not, this is not me, this is not normal, there's something wrong with me, right? Because I'd imagine that there are quite a number of people who are acting in erratic ways, right? And we're quick to uh -huh. rationalize those behavior or they're probably just having a bad day, whether they're driving crazy on the highway, it happens to all of us, right? Oh, they Right. just probably having a bad day, right? Maybe their kids are irritating them, right? But they may be dealing with some real, real issues here, right? So for the self, for the person dealing with it to become all self-aware, is there is there a way to not rationalize it off as normal behavior and realize this is this is something that I probably need help with? Is there well, most of the time the person knows even if they don't want to admit it, because I would say when you become aware that you're eating to make yourself feel better. When you're eating, when you're not hungry, that's how food usually is used. You know, you're self-medicating with food or alcohol or drugs. If you're spending and you know you can't afford it, people get themselves in great debt because they go shopping to make themselves feel better, but they don't feel better than they shop some more than the next thing. You know, they have credit cards and credit bills that they can't pay. So when the behavior becomes destructive and it's not healthy, that's how you know you have a problem. Um, and the thing about it is, even when you know that there's a problem, when I knew, I mean, I've lost 65 pounds since I've become, as you say, self-aware. Mm. I started walking in my driveway because I could barely move, but I knew I needed to make a change. So I started walking in my driveway, doing uh, Facebook posts and YouTube videos and just talking through my journey. And, I've seen, and I've next seen thing I knew, uh, you know, I was doing Motivation Mondays and Tell Yourself Tuesdays and Wellness Wednesdays. That started to help me. And before I know it, Thankful Thursdays, mm -hmm. you know, Face It Fridays, 
self-care Saturdays and soul searching Sundays. Mm-hmm. And I walked myself 60 pounds, 65 pounds lighter. Wow. wow. Just walking in my driveway, telling people what I was thinking about because I was hurting and I knew something had to change, but I had to make a decision to get off that couch and stop eating Doritos, drinking mm-hmm. Diet Pepsi's, feeling sorry for myself, you know? Wow. And as I did that, I realized I was helping other people and that made me feel better. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I lost the weight. And then I began to say, how can I help even more people? So then I wrote a book about what I did and how I did it. Mm-hmm. And I think that people think that once you do that, okay, well then she's cured. No, I still deal with yes. um, depression, but the difference is, is I deal with it by having that safety protocol mm-hmm. That reminds me that this too shall pass, Mm -hmm. that I have support, that I don't have to become another unnecessary silence, that there are things I can do to make myself feel better that aren't Mm -hmm. destructive, like take a walk, say a prayer, meditate, Mm -hmm. journal, call a friend, Mm -hmm. talk to someone, talk to a stranger if I have to. That's where self-advocacy comes in, where when I can have a conversation with myself and say, What's going on? What are you feeling? Why are you feeling that way? And what can you do differently right now to change the bad feelings? Mm. I love that. You, 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 you mentioned having a group of uh, trusted friends. And the key word is trusted friends, right? Trusted. And professionals that you can call on in times of crisis for help. And it's, it's not just anybody on Facebook who may give you a like or, or a heart, right? Or, or, or yeah. a follow on Instagram. These are people, and I call those being careful of those you let into your inner circle. Your inner One, circle, that's why. Yeah, they either influence you or you influence them negatively or possibly, right? So that's what we got to be very selective and intentional about how we, we select those core uh, inner circle groups. What, why is that Im- important, right? Now? Because I mean, you see people just put anything and everything out there, right? Just oh, I can give you a good example of why it's important <laughs> who you call and when you call them. Mm. There was a time I was in real crisis and I called someone that I thought would be a help. Mm. And they will come on over, let's talk. So I went to their house and they wanted to talk to me. But unfortunately for me, There was a TV program that they really wanted to watch and I was in the way. What this person did with me in the middle of my crisis, they said, well, Sister Brenda, thank you for coming. Oh, so nice talking to you. Walk me to the door and shut the door in Mm -hmm. my face. I literally was standing like this, holding my hand into my face for those who are just listening with the door in my face. And I thought to myself, really? And at that moment, it really was a pattern interrupter for me, though, Fred, because what it said to me was, as I stood on that step, tears running down my face, I realized my mental health was not as important to them Mm. as it was to me. And that they were not the person that I needed to reach out to if I was in a crisis. Mm. I was fortunate that that particular day, instead of pushing me over the edge it pissed me off so bad that that was when i first developed my safety protocol Mm. i reached out to someone else and they did come through they came to my house and they sat with me till the crisis passed and then we developed this who do you call but i do know that person that did that with the television program they would never be called again and they oh did you need no 
And later they heard the story. They knew it was them. They came and they apologized. But again, the, it wasn't that they were a bad person. They just did not recognize that I was really in crisis. And what they said to me was, but you always have it together. I just figured it was just a face. And that taught me. And now the people that are in my safety protocol, mm -hmm. we've had conversations. See, you don't so put people on the safety protocol and say, oh, this person's on my safety protocol. Mm -hmm. I sat down with each of these individuals and said, I want you as part of my safety circle. Are you willing to be that for mm -hmm. me? And I explained to them exactly what that meant. And when I call you and say, and because I have to, I am drowning in plain sight, or I need you to hold space for me now, they know that means I'm in crisis. Mm -hmm. That means everything stops. Whatever they're doing, they're willing to stop that and help me through that time. Mm -hmm. And I am so blessed to say that the people on that list have absolutely done that for me. That's, that's, that's amazing. And the reason I have more than one is because you don't want to wear somebody out mm -hmm. by having that. Because there was times that I have been in such a bad state for a, an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's far and few between, but I still have them. But having multiple people on my list that have committed to being there if I need them, they know how to get professional help with me. They have names and numbers of my uh, primary care of my psychologist, of my counselor. So they have certain information of my next of mm -hmm. kin, who they should notify if I find myself in this situation, even if they can't get to me or even if they can't. Mm -hmm. And that's important because sometimes people put people on their list and they don't even know if that person wants yeah. the whole space yeah. for them. Yeah. So it's important to have those conversations when you're not in crisis so that when crisis comes, comes you'll be prepared. Yeah. Prepared. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Those are very practical steps, Brenda. That I think we all we all allowed to not 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 even for those who are uh, only only dealing with um, with with depression. You also mentioned self advocating um, again because I think it speaks to the fact that ultimately you you, you are the owner of, of you mm -hmm. you own it right. You you are the master of yourself. I mean, of course, we know uh, there's a supreme being, but you have to take responsibility uh, for that, right, and not just let people just be responsible for your life. And I think that cuts across, you know, almost, almost everything, right? You, you are responsible for you, right? Yes. And anyone, anyone that experiences a trauma, you don't have to be military for that. Any person that has experienced a trauma or uh, has been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress for whatever reason it is, because only military, not, excuse me, not only military people get diagnosed with that. People get it from accidents or traumatic events or, or uh, you know, a myriad of different things. The key is, is that if you are a victim of a trauma and you need support, you have to self-advocate. And part of that was I had to get clear on what that looked like for me. And then I began to imagine what would it look like if I got the support I needed when I needed it. And then I began to put those things in place that allowed me to have those support. And then I checked and make sure that the people I put in place to be support were actually going to be able to support me the way I needed to be supported. And I checked in periodically because sometimes after the event happened, I realized and the person realized that they were not uh, in the right mind space to support me at the level that I needed. And you have to be able to let people say, you know what, Bryn, I wanted to do this for you, but I realized I don't have the capacity. And then let them come off your list. 
I had that happen. One of my friends could not handle me when I was in crisis. And they asked to be rude and no harm, no foul. Because people love you, they want to support you. But some people realize after, I'm not capable of doing that. And that's okay. Because as long as you have people that are, when you hit that crisis point, you'll be well supported. Brenda, it's, you know, oftentimes when we, we have these types of discussions and, you know, whether it's, you know, motivation or inspiration, it's, it's, it, it takes work, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. one thing to want or to desire to be a better person, but it's quite another to be willing to take those necessary steps. In your case, when you were dealing with your challenges, with the weight challenges and health challenges, it could have been very easy for you to just relax and sit and, and wish your way through it, right? But you yeah. took the steps no pun intended, physical steps and, you know, the walking and, and like you rightly said, you walked off sick, which is huge, walking off 65 pounds. Someone may just, you know, woes me. And I know this is difficult. I don't want to minimize this um, at all, uh, Brenda, in any way, but the purpose of this discussion and, and many others that we have is to let people know that look, we, we admit or we recognize that this is not something that's easy. The, the, you got to put some skin in the game. And we've all yes. been there. We've all had to fight our way through certain things. And, and there were times when it would have been easy for us to just sit on the couch and, and, and just cry out and, and just blame everybody else. But there comes a point in time where we have to realize that, look, like we talked about earlier, you've got to own this. The person that you may be trusting or depending on may not be there. It may be family, friends, and people that you hope may be there for you, clergy, pastor, whoever, spouse. We know things happen. Ultimately, no one should want this better than than the individual themselves. So we want to recognize the fact that, yes, we're talking about all the steps and we know it's difficult, but that's really where the persistence comes in, right? I want to make sure, Brenda, that we're not painting such a glorious picture that people are missing out on the fact that, okay, this, let's just wish it, let's just listen, and, and it's going to happen. We, oh, you, no, you it's not a wish. It's it. actually, it's actual work, which is why my book came into play, because the book is called Soul Searching, Get On Board for Transformation Using the Tapping Method. And the tapping method is a five-step strategic plan to help you get past your stuck points. When you are depressed or in trauma or you're overweight or you have financial issues, relationship issues, emotional, professional, entrepreneur, whatever it is, you can tap into it. And what that means is this. And since we're talking about depression, we'll use that. If I found someone said, well, Brenda, how do I tap in to depression? You tap in by number one, using the T. You transform your mindset about depression, that it is not something that you have to uh, uh, suffer with, but that you can thrive with. So you have to change your mindset about what depression actually means and how you can manage it so that you can live a life that is fulfilled. Then you have to announce to the world that you're no longer going to sit and let depression hold you hostage anymore. And you get some accountability in the form of coaches, counselors, professional help, friends, family who you need to help you. And then you prepare yourself to move past the depression by putting protocols in place, creating an inner circle that can support you and getting the proper care professionally or through friends and family that you need so that you can move and get your breakthrough. Then I want you to, I imagine what your life would be like when you're able to manage your depression and not let it manage you. And then once you've done that, we're gonna end, we're gonna nurture all of those things to ensure that we have an effective tap-in that allows us to live our life fully fulfilled, fully expressed, 
and unapologetically unstoppable regardless of our diagnosis. Oh, this is so good, Brenda. This, I love it. I love this five-step process. And I think you, like you rightly said, I mean, this is something that even cuts across, you know, everything, right? Whether it's a dream or goal or, or, or an expectation or a vision that you have, mm-hmm. being the ability to transform, announce, prepare, imagine, and then nurture it. Um, this is this is so good. Brenda, here's something that I like to do because I, I like to make this very practical. There's definitely someone listening or watching us right now who may be dealing, maybe going through some stuff. They may not have been able to come out just yet to share what they're going through before all the reasons we, we, we mentioned. Or they may have shared it and may have been let down. And so they're, they're, it's, it's eating at them. Someone needs to hear something right now. And I believe this is really why this podcast is, podcast is important. Because this could bear very well. I mean, we're not experts. We're not psychologists. Or, but these are experiences that I believe one thing, you know, someone may hear may help them along the journey or, or, or what they're dealing with. So I want you to, Brenda, speak freely to that person listening to you right now who may be dealing with depression or, or experiencing some some challenge or, or and, and not knowing how to deal with it. You speak to them. How are you feeling? I, I would say simply that if you're currently dealing with depression and you are, for whatever reason, uh, at a place where you feel like you can't get past it, I want you to take a deep breath and remember you're not alone. Mm. That help is available through professional counseling, uh, through friends and family that would hold space for you regardless of where you are. And you know those people, we all know those people that are ride or die in our lives. The ones that you could murder the Pope and they're not gonna let you down. They're gonna say it was an accident. Those are the people I want you to find and, and, and let them know that you need help. The other thing is you need to self-advocate. You need to remember that when you make yourself a priority, you'll never let anybody else make you an option because you have to make yourself and your mental health a priority by making sure you get good sleep and rest, that you reduce your stress, that you eat right and exercise because believe it or not, moving, just something simple as walking or putting on some music and dancing in your living room, play with your pets, your kids if you have them, will help make you feel better so that you can get past that stuck point. And finally, whatever you do, I want you to remember that you don't have to stay here. You can get help, but you can only get help if you make a choice to get the help. Make a definite decision to reach out and get the help you need to support you, whatever it takes, because the choices you make today will be the reality you live tomorrow. So choose wisely. Mm. True words have never been spoken, Brenda. I love that. Finally, before we wrap up here, let's talk about your books, Soul Searching. Um, I know you're in the process of... Uh, republishing it right but is there other that our our listeners or whoever may be interested can 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 share so i mean you talk about some of these uh important points like like the tapping principle which i think is very powerful here but where where can our listeners find find your book yeah if you go to my ig brenda uh this brenda the solutionist on ig there's a link in my bio and you can get the book from there you can see all the other stuff i'm doing um, it's on Amazon. It's soul searching. Get on board for transformation using the tap in method. And the quick and the easiest way to find it is just go to my link on IG and tap on the link and it'll take you directly to it. Thank you so much, Brenda. And again, to recap some of the things that stood out uh, for me is, is I like the tap in. I think it's worth repeating. Transform your mind. Announce it. Uh, prepare yourself. I'm putting the protocols in, in place. Um, have an inner circle. 
Imagine your life and nurture it to ensure. You don't just start and leave it. You got to nurture it, right? You got to make sure that it's in place because life's going to happen. And if you're not nurturing it, it's going to blow you right off course. But tap in. Um, this is something that I'm going to be using myself. Brent, I want to thank yeah. you for coming on and sharing your, your personal story uh, and also lessons that helped you. Well, that continues to help us all, right? Because it's, it's mm -hmm. it, it happens. It's not a once and done. We're all going to run into those situations. We're going to have to deal with this at some point. But thanks again for, for sharing this. And to you, our listeners, this is for you. This is why we do what we do. This is why we keep bringing all these special guests with lift this and experience this to share the stories and how to help us get so again, if you've been blessed or touched or impacted positively by this, go to our iTunes page, Time with Fred. Leave us a review or comment, feedback, subscribe to get updated uh, new episodes. But this is really how we get it out to help someone. You just never know whose life may be impacted by just that simple act. So again, Brenda, thank you for coming into your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, stay well.